You're listening to the Audacious Church Podcast. This message was recorded live at our Manchester campus. We know this is a great investment into your life. So tune in, listen up and stay focused. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. Today we start a brand new preaching series It is the Christmas series. It's called Step Into Christmas. Step into Christmas, step into Christmas. I'm singing it on my own. So I would like for you to stand and join me. And I would like for don't be looking at me like that. I see you. Everybody sing with me. Step into Christmas, step into Christmas. Don't know the words forever and ever. Come on, give, you, give yourselves a round of applause for your little performance. Step into Christmas. And over the next few weeks, we are going to be looking at some of the traditional, can't see you, some of the more traditional ingredients in the church calendar. Uh, we're looking at Advent next week. Pastor Glynn is going to be here. He's in Chester this morning. But next week's going to be here preaching about Advent. And we've got other things lined up as well. But today... Our subject for the next few minutes is the nativity, the nativity. This scene that you will see on the front of Christmas cards, in primary school assembly halls, and in little sets of figurines on fireplaces, and maybe even larger scale in in supermarkets and shopping centers, I want to take a moment for us to remember just how powerful and just how significant that cute little scene that sometimes looks like it's outside a cottage in the Cotswolds, actually how raw and beautiful and powerful and transformational that little scene is for me and you in 2023. Now, when I was at primary school, there was definitely a hierarchy of characters in the school nativity. Now, it was 1986-87, that year, when I was in what we now call year six. Can't remember what we called it then. Something else. What do we call it? Top class. class. There you go. Said with a brilliant accent. Top class, mate. Nice one. Um, But for the boys, okay, now this was 1986, so don't complain at me. This is just what it was like then. For the boys, there was a hierarchy. It went Joseph... Wise men, you got it, AJ. Shepherds, animals. Give me a wave if you went for Joseph and ended up as a donkey. No, just me. Anyone seen one of them nativities that's got animals in it that aren't in the Bible? There's like a lobster up the corner and you're like, we're just just trying to fulfill children's dreams here by giving them some antelope in the corner. Well, uh, I'm going to put a picture up of my primary school nativity, just coming up on screen right now. You'll see this is Mytham Road Primary School. You can see at the back to the left of Mary, who always wore blue, I don't don't know why, there's probably some spiritual significance for that, uh, is Joseph, and that is not me. Um, Down on the left-hand side, we've got a couple of wise men there, and neither of those are me. And then to the right of them is some shepherds, and none of those are me. I'm going to show you who I was in my primary school nativity in 1986-87. Just coming up is a red circle around the girls' part. 
Angel Gabriel. Now, don't complain at me. I know angels could be men and they are male or whatever, but in 1986, that is a girl's part. The changing rooms at my primary school during the nativity was our classroom with a washing line down the middle with sheets over it. Boys on one side, girls on the other. Where do you think I kept getting pushed? By the shepherds. <laughs> Underneath the sheets to the other side, to the girls' side of the classroom. Because I was arguably wearing a white dress and, uh, and that was not good. So I carry a lot of pain in my heart about this and I'm going to use this message as a way of uh, soothing my pain because we are going to find out exactly who is the most important character in this scene. I've asked my friends here to help me. I call them my friends. Seems they call me their colleagues, but I, I don't know why that is. I'm, that's what Hannah calls me. So I'm gonna put a little uh, picture of the nativity up, not mine, you don't wanna see that again. This is the traditional scene. We looked all over for a traditional nativity scene that had all the characters that we wanted to share with you today. And I'm hoping that as the speakers speak, that God speaks. I don't know what you do at this point in the service, whether it's a time for Angry Birds on your phone or, or time to just kind of drift off, but I believe that God wants to speak and he wants to speak through his word. I have managed to get the media team to put my friends into this scene. Here they come. As if by magic. There they are. There's, there's, unfortunately, they, after we'd started the process, we realized there were no shepherds, but there is a sheep. So Pastor Joel, our youth pastor, is, uh, is, is a sheep. Representing the shepherds. And so what we're actually going to do, we're going to go through each of these characters and uh, we're actually going to see exactly what God wants to say to us through these significant characters in the story. So I want you to sort of sit yourselves up, get yourself ready. I would advise you taking notes. If you can resist going on other apps on your phone, except the Bible app, then uh, I would, I would uh, encourage you to take notes. And let's just see what God wants to say to us, Audacious Church, on this this first of our Christmas Sundays so that we can get ourselves set for arguably one of the most important seasons in our year as a church. And we're gonna to talk to you all about the characters from the nativity. Amazing. I want that picture for all my Christmas cards this year. We're gonna start with the angel. And the angel represents where God speaks. You see, God initiated this whole plan into being by sending Angel Gabriel to represent his voice and to speak to Mary, God's words at that time, into her normal everyday life. The Angel Gabriel brings a message from God that is profoundly shocking. It is Worrisome. It is incomprehensible, this message from God that he brings. It is impossible, yet it is wonderful, and it is sacred. In this word, she feels shaken to her core. I don't know about you, but a word from God can shake everything up. Can you think of a time 
where you've received that phone call or had that conversation or been in a moment in worship and God speaks and it shakes everything up. That, that conversation of, should we get married? Or that conversation of, um, I'm pregnant. We've got three children, two we uh, got pregnant for. And it was, guess what, I'm pregnant. And we knew that everything was going to change. And our third child we adopted. And it was a celebration, life-changing moment when the adoption order came through. And we knew that from that moment, everything would change. And when God speaks, everything changes. And he has the power to come into our everyday normal lives and speak the impossible. It might not look like for us an angelic being at the bottom of your bed or a flashing light from heaven. But in the quietness of God's word, a, a sense and a feeling that you just cannot escape from. That when God speaks, it changes everything. And we can feel uh, anxious or worried about the plan that God has spoken or feel fearful about it. But God's first words to, to Mary were, do not fear, for I am with you. And the angel reminds us today that every word that God speaks over us he will fulfill it, but he also says, do not fear, for I am with you, and I will fulfill the words that I speak to you. You do not need to fear. Thank you, Angel. Now, what can we learn from Mary? Mary, as we have just heard, has seen an angel appear. I mean, talk about scary. And then another piece of information comes to her. You are going to have a baby. She is unmarried and she is a virgin. This is a big deal. But then the angel adds to that and it's going to be the most high, the son of God. Talk about responsibility. Mary suddenly realizes she would have known this, that she was not just going to become pregnant with a baby, but she was actually going to become pregnant with a promise from God of the salvation of all of mankind. Now, I've had three children, and every time uh, I found out I was pregnant, there's this absolute moment of joy. You're like, I'm pregnant. You're thrilled, and you're so excited to tell people. And then that emotion is quickly followed with, I'm going to have a baby it's like the responsibility kicks in. Yes, I trust that this baby, God is knitting this baby together in my womb. I trust that God is growing this baby and this trust that this baby is gonna come along at the right time. But also, I have to take responsibility to carry the baby well. Suddenly it matters more than ever what I eat, what I drink. It matters that I protect this baby. It matters what I do with, this, with me and my child. And I guess, you know, looking around the room, there's quite a few of us that won't relate to ever having a baby or being pregnant. But I do think we can actually all relate to carrying a promise from God. You see, what can happen is this. Sometimes we get a promise from God and it can be frustrating, if we're honest, that we can't see anything happening. But I wanna remind you that Jeremiah 1 says this, that God watches over his word to perform it. 
And in Hebrews 11, this is what it says about our part that we play. It says, now faith is confident in what we hope for and it has an assurance about what we do not see. What do we need to learn today from Mary is this, we have to protect the seed of faith that God has given us. That means speaking life over it. It means getting around friends and saying, God has said said this and I want you to speak life over it. It means protecting that word of faith, not letting doubt come in, not letting fear come in, but protecting it. You see, what we can learn from Mary today is this, that God will always deliver on his promises if we take responsibility and faithfulness in carrying them. Brilliant. Oh, Mary, she, she trusted God. The angel spoke to her and she trusted God in that. But Joseph, he didn't have yet that visitation from the angel. He's just got Mary, his, his fiance, coming to him saying, I'm pregnant. Like, talk about having to trust. Talk about your plans changing in an instant. He would have had plans to to get married, be a carpenter, have kids, you know, make a few tables, do all those things, say hello to each other. And that just got blown out of the water in this moment of Mary saying to him, I'm pregnant, and it's God's. Like, what what do you do when plans change? Because the Bible says in, in Proverbs 19, 21, many are the plans in a man's heart, but it's God's purpose that prevails. What do you do when, when plans change? What do you do when you're faced with that moment of like, this is what I planned, but this is now the change has come. Maybe Joseph in this moment was a bit like you in uh, thinking of, uh, of just the plans changing, maybe disappointment, maybe even thinking about betrayal, maybe thinking of fear. What will people say when they, when they see this and they know we're not yet married and we have to speak? And he's just got all these answers, all these questions, but nobody to answer it. He's not yet had the angel come and speak to him. He's just got married. He's got it second hand. He's got fear rising up with him. What do you do in that moment? This is what you lean into and you trust God. So what Joseph had to do is he had to lean into. In leaning into God, he got his answers. And in trusting God, he got his peace. The Bible says that the angel came to him and said to him, what Mary has said to you is true. Do not fear. The angel was saying, it'll be okay. We've got this. We'll walk you through this. And what he did, what we have to do in these moments, when our plans change and God's purpose prevails, is that we have to lean into and trust God because this, this is then what happens. And this is what uh, King David in Psalm 25 says. It says that David says, in you I will put my trust. We've just got to say these words in these moments. In you, God, I will put my trust. And this is then what happens, that from your greatest challenges will come your greatest victories, and the story told will be wilder than you can ever imagine. So good. Well, we're going to move on to the sheep. No, I'm joking. It's the, it's the shepherds. We're going to move on to the shepherds. Good job, media team. I don't know if you know this, but When a member of the royal family is born, there's a pretty big list of people who get to see this newborn king, prince, princess, whatever it might be. Whatever country you're in, when a royal family member is born, there's a long list of people who get to be at this this moment. And the first is obviously the family, who themselves are royal. They've got royal titles, they've got their own thing going on. Then you've got religious leaders. This baby needs anointing. It could be a future king or queen. 
The religious leaders want to gather around. They want to pray. They want to be there. On top of that, you've got foreign diplomats and foreign kings and queens and leaders who want to come see this new member of a royal family. But at the birth of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the first people to hear from the angels about this story, the first ones to kneel down and see baby Jesus are a ragtag bunch of shepherds. This makes no sense. This is crazy. This is wild. It doesn't make sense, but at the same time, it does because it demonstrates God's heart. How does it demonstrate God's heart? Well, it shows that Jesus is for everyone. Jesus came for everyone. This is best summarised by the most famous verse in the whole world. For God so loved the world. John 3.16. It doesn't say for God so loved a certain group of people or the righteous people or the gifted people or the people who tick all the right boxes. It said for God so loved the world. He so loved everyone that He sent His only Son that whoever who should believe in Him will not perish but have eternal life. What can we learn from this story? Well, Jesus is for us because Jesus is for everyone. And we can boldly approach Jesus Christ, our King and Saviour, just like a ragtag bunch of shepherds and kneel down for our King and our Saviour. Doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter where you've been, doesn't matter the qualifications you've got, doesn't matter if you're holy, righteous or whatever it might be. Because Jesus Christ is for everyone. Come on, that is right. Jesus is for everybody. But on top of that, to add to what the shepherds are saying, I want to tell you that everybody needs Jesus. I'm here to tell you about the wise men. You know, the wise men are, you know, high figures in society. As Joel said, you know, shepherds represent the lowly, the wise men represent, you know, the highest of society. These guys sat with royalty. You know, they were invited to all of these important occasions. In fact, the wise men we, we hear of in the nativity had counsel with Herod. But even they, upon hearing of this baby, this baby born in a barn said, you know, we got to move from where we are because we got to be here. And they may not have had the hindsight that we have being 2,000 years on of how significant that moment was, but something them said, hey, we got to be in that space. See, we, we sometimes come to church and say, oh, God, I want this, and I want that, and I want this. You know, we seek, we come to God, we come to church, we come to Jesus for all the things we want. And the wise men potentially are representing uh, a small sector of society who, who have no wants. They, all of their wants are met. You know, they, they're not you know, really worrying about bills. You know, there's a cost of living crisis, but we're okay. All my kids are well, they're in the school that we want. My marriage is fine. You could be, you know what? I'm fine. I don't really want anything from God. But the word of the day is everybody needs Jesus. See, it's not about, you know, what, what you can gain from God, but God says, I want you. You need me. Bible says for everybody has fallen short. All men have sinned. Everybody has fallen short and everybody needs Jesus. See, Another preconceived notion that we can have is that, you know, Christianity is anti-intelligence. I think the presence of the wise men teaches that that's not true. 
These were wise people, well-read, well, you know, studied the stars and all of this kind of the signs of the day. And even they were like, no, 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 we have to pay homage to this little baby born in a manger. Why? Because everyone needs Jesus. It doesn't matter whether you're a billionaire, a business person, a sanitary engineer, garbage man. Doesn't matter what you do for your living, right? The Bible says that everybody needs Jesus. See, even like there's a whole book written on wisdom. There's a whole book written on, you know, aspiring for astuteness. And, you know, you can be like, oh, well, you know, Christianity is an element of like being, you know, you know mental assentment. And, and there's truth in that God gave you a brain. God wants you to be rational and reason and think. But it's, it's more than that. Christianity is not just about mental assent. It's about spiritual transformation. That's why we need Jesus. And that is why everybody needs Jesus. Amen. Brilliant. Thank you so much, team. I think probably you would have thought off the bat when I said, we're going to find out who is the most important character. You probably were like, oh, I see what he's doing here. He's going to say, it's Jesus. And you are right. I am going to, unashamedly. You know what it's like when you're in Sunday school. Those of you who grew up to, in Sunday school, you will know that the answer to every question at Sunday school is Jesus. Even what is the capital of France? <laughs> you would be like, I don't know, I'm just going to say Jesus and you got, you got a prize anyway, I think. You know what I'm saying? But I'm unashamedly saying that in this amazing scene, if we could have the, maybe put the one without my friend's faces on, just because I don't want you to get distracted. Just the traditional scene, there we go. I mean, look at the splendor of the angels. You know, how can we even, you know, it's just a, an artist impression. We don't even know how breathtaking the angels were. And maybe you needed to hear today that God speaks. That's what the angels represent us. I don't know if that's the character that you're sort of connecting with as we've been through it. Maybe it was Mary, this idea of the responsibility that comes. And there she is, again, wearing blue. Um, just, you know, the, a central figure that celebrated, you know, all around the world. Maybe you needed to hear the story of, of Joseph, the connecting with this hero of the story, this guy who had to respond to changing circumstances and trust God. Somebody needed to hear that today. Maybe it was the lowly shepherds. Maybe you come to church today and you're like, I needed to hear that God accepts me with all my flaws. Think about how smelly and dirty and, you know, kind of calluses on their fingers and not really dressed for a royal occasion these shepherds were. Maybe you needed to hear that. Maybe you, like Rafaro, was helping us understand there a position in your life where you're like, you know what, I've, I don't really have the, you know, I'm not, an, I'm not, an, I'm not trapped by addiction. I'm not um, struggling financially. I, you know, I kind of got, I've got a handle on life. And you need to hear, as Pastor Rafaro repeated again and again, that everybody needs Jesus. And so we have to bring all of these characters into this one single character, the fulfillment of so much in that moment. Isaiah chapter nine, verse six says this, for unto us a child is born. To us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. The influence, the leadership will be on, on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful, 
counselor. I mean, I believe in counseling, small c. You know, we need help sometimes. But we have a wonderful counselor in the person of Jesus Christ. Mighty God. That small, little, vulnerable baby is mighty God. <coughs> he's the everlasting father, it says in Isaiah. And he's the prince of peace. And whichever character you might identify with this morning, I want everybody to know that the peace that comes from Jesus, the Prince of Peace, according to the Word of God, it guards our hearts and our minds. Think about the chaos that all of this represents. We've got people from different ends of society, all with different opinions, coming in at different times. Excuse me, can I get my place? Making their way through, there was noise, there was cold, there was, who knows, snow maybe. It was just absolute carnage and right there in the middle is the Prince of Peace. And in Manchester, and whatever city you are in as you're watching around the world, I'm sure you could call to your memory right now the chaos and the carnage that surrounds not just your external world, but also the turmoil that we carry on the inside. And the most important person as we go into December, in just a few days, I was talking with someone after the first service and they were debating whether or not, you know, it was more likely that Jesus was born around September time and we were kind of having fun just talking about that. But we know that the world, whether it was the historically accurate time or not, we, we hit December and people just turn their hearts and their minds to something. The Bible says that God has put eternity in the hearts of all men. And so what happens is at this time of year, people's curiosity is, is, um, is potent. People's hearts are thinking about, you know, what really matters. And you need to hear that the Prince of Peace is right there in the middle, in the middle of your, of your unemployment, in the middle of your marital breakdown, in the middle of your despair over your child, in the middle of your hunger, in the middle of your loneliness, in the middle of your whatever it might be, Jesus is in the middle. I was trying to think all week, all week I've been thinking about this message and this part of the message, I was trying to think of the words that I could say that would, would sort of, you know, we call it impartation. It's where, it's where uh, God sort of deposits a message in your heart but uses like another person to do it, like a preacher or someone like that. There's an impartation that happens. And I was praying that my revelation of this, of this Prince of Peace, this mighty God in the midst of the chaos would become your revelation. 
I prayed that you would walk out of church today knowing that there is a God who loves you so much that he sent his son Jesus, not just to give you an eternity in heaven, but to give you this side of eternity, a life that's full, filled and, and meaningful and counts for something. I was trying to think of the words and there's so much scripture that I could use. You know, Romans 11 verse 36 says, for from him and through him and for him are all things. 2 Corinthians 9, 15 says, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Colossians 1, 17 says, he is before all things and in him all things hold together and I was driving to church this morning, just picking Meshach up. And on my worship playlist, I know I'm such a holy Christian. A song came on shuffle and it's got really simple but powerful words actually off, off the page of scripture because it describes Jesus as the alpha and the omega. The Greek alphabet is like the A and the Z. In other words, the beginning and the end. He sees the beginning from the end. He knows what you need to do to get to where you need to go. So I asked the team last minute if we could sing this song. And I'm believing that as we do that, God is gonna continue to speak to you. You stand to your feet as we sing, you are Alpha. Thank you for listening to this Audacious podcast. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. We'd love for you to join us at one of our campuses, Manchester, Chester, or online every Sunday, 10 a.m. and 12 p.m. 